You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 354 of Podcateers. This is the final episode in our story of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. This week we talk about Mary Oceaneer and the real world events that added to her story. The last additions to the parks that we saw and we talk about where we think the story could be going in the future. If you have any thoughts that you'd like to share about the episode, we'd love for you to join the conversation over on Discord. You can check out the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 354 for an invite link. You can also connect with us over on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just search for Podcateers. Speaking of Instagram, Team Boat Willie is participating in the first ever virtual chalk walk to raise money for the Children's Hospital of Orange County. Auction details will be available on our Instagram account. And if you're listening to this after this particular event, you can always join us over on TeamBoatWillie.com for information on our latest fundraising efforts and the organization that we're supporting. That link again is TeamBoatWillie.com. It's super easy to remember because it's just like Steamboat Willie, but without the S. Before we jump into the episode, we'd like to take a moment to thank a very special group of people known as the FGP Squad, aka our podcast Fairy Godparents, because it's their monthly support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. Being a part of the FGP Squad family gets you some additional perks like exclusive discount codes on Podcateers gear, additional content, and access to our monthly happy hour calls. If you would like more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. Finally, before we begin, I just want to let you know that the next couple of episodes are going to be very special for our Podcateers family as we step into the next chapter of the podcast. During our last Armchair Imagineering episode, Gavin announced that he will be retiring from podcasting to concentrate on some exciting artistic opportunities. And next week, we go down memory lane as we share some of our favorite times and conversations with Gavin on the podcast. The week after, we formally introduce you to Larry and Andrew, the newest members of the Podcateers family. Members of the FGP squad already had a chance to meet them since we've had the opportunity to hang during the FGP happy hour calls. And I'm just really excited about some of the things that we have coming up and we're eager to get those rolled out for you. So uh, as we get ready to move into this next chapter, if you have any words that you'd like to share about Gavin, you can send us a DM to include in the episode. We'll just read it out or if you'd like to be a part of the episode you can use the voice recorder app on your phone and email us a short audio clip to include in the episode so that's it this is going to wrap up this series we hope that you've enjoyed it as always we appreciate you taking the time to listen and to hang with us here is part five of our talk on the society of explorers and adventurers this is episode 354 of podcateers Harrison and George Hightower. Mm-hmm. The story of Albert Falls might even connect him back to Melanie Ravenswood of Phantom Manor. All right. Apparently, if you pay attention to the portraits and the information around you, Melanie Ravenswood was 
dating? She wasn't married because I don't think any of them actually ever got married. I think they were dating and her dad was just super psycho and would take care of, you know, these people that she was dating. But anyway, one of the guys that she was dating happened to be the captain of the Mark Twain riverboat there in Thunder Mesa. And he was a gentleman by the name of Captain Rowan DeFalls. Rowan Falls. Captain Falls. <laughs> okay. How is he wow. related to Albert? I don't know. They could be brothers. They could be cousins. Could be. They could be uncles. I mean, we went through this with George and Harrison. We don't know what yeah, the relationship we <laughs> is exactly. But they could be connected. And if they are, it just enriches the story even further. Seriously. Right? <laughs> so, anyway... While Dr. Falls was off on his adventures in a different part of the world, England to be exact, the RV Oceaneer Lab took her maiden voyage on July 30th, 1898. And at the helm was Captain Mary Oceaneer. Some people may call Mary Oceaneer a pirate, but look, in her defense... It's never officially stated that she was a pirate, but, mm -hmm. but, but, she was a fan of all the pillage and the plundering, you know, that's a lifestyle, you know, sometimes yeah. you just get into it. And just because you host a pirate night celebration on your ship on, I don't know, some random date, let's call it 1898, I don't know, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're a pirate. Plenty no. of people hold pirate theme parties, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, she was depicted in one portrait that I remember seeing her in where she's in, like, like a dining hall or something like that. And she's actually dressed like a pirate and everything. So, well, maybe she was a pirate. Maybe. Like, damn. Eat your heart out, Lizzie Swan. Or Lizzie <laughs> Turner, if you, if you must. But uh, more on Turner later oh uh either way uh captain oceaneer's steam-powered oceaneer lab was this beautiful blue vessel that was adorned with golden details on its bow and stern definitely nothing like the black pearl might i add i mean this was classy right mm -hmm. but it did serve as sort of a mobile home base for treasure hunting and deep sea diving explorations and uh, on her ship, she had the best equipment available. Like, she was stacked, okay? As a matter of fact, to help illustrate... <laughs> to help illustrate how dedicated she was to this lifestyle, she had a custom scuba suit made for her parrot. Whoa. Yeah, for her parrot. I, you That's, heard right. Wow. Yeah, Salty, her <laughs> parrot... Had a custom scuba suit. That's a hard flex right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah? Oh, you go on treasure hunts? Oh, you go? Yeah. yeah what's up? My bird goes on treasure hunts. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, my bird goes underwater. That's like, whoa. <laughs> Beat that. <laughs> right? Uh, now... It's unknown exactly when it happened, but uh, it was that dedication 
uh, to what she did that kind of earned her her spot as a member of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. On top of detailing the Nautilus for Captain Nemo, one of her most notable contributions as a member of the SEA was that she created a map that depicted sea monsters of the Mediterranean Ocean, including some of cryptid and mythological origin. This map currently hangs in the Skipper Canteen. That map, by the way, actually pays tribute to the now-defunct World of Motion attraction because it includes a depiction of the Sea Serpent, also known as Kimbalum Horriblus, from the attraction. I'm pretty sure that Perfect. sounds like a Harry Potter spell, <laughs> but I don't even yeah. care. Kimbalum Horriblus! Hey. Right? <laughs> what yeah. does it do? It turns you into a sea monster. Who knows? Right. Or one appears. <laughs> or one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, uh, we're, okay, so yeah, so in 1899, the same year that one of the most famous photos of the SCA members was taken right before Harrison Hightower III disappeared, she traveled across the Orinoco River in South America, which turned out to be one of her most difficult trips because she had been shot by arrows while on this expedition. I mean, she made it through, but she's like, pasha, arrows, whatever, and kept going, right? Yeah. December 1901 rolls around, and she went to the Isle of Castaway Cay in the Bahamas. And here is where she retrieved one of her most prized possessions while deep sea diving for sunken pirate treasure, a solid gold sword that you can see her carrying in almost all of her portraits. Now, around this time, uh, she was also in charge of a crew in South America that was sent to excavate a location known as Shipwreck Cove. Back in the 18th century, Shipwreck Cove served as the meeting location for the infamous Brethren Court. Now, if that sounds familiar to some of you, I know it sounds familiar to Melissa because I know she's a hardcore Pirates fan. That's because you may recall hearing about that location in the film Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Or if you're a world traveler like me via YouTube, or I don't know if you've actually <laughs> been on the attraction Battle for the Sunken Treasure at Shanghai Disneyland, you've probably heard the reference there. But why that location? You know, what's so important about Brethren Court or Shipwreck Cove? Well, it's a well-known pirate spot, first of all. So, of course, there's going to be leftover treasure. Duh. In mm -hmm. fact, one of the things she ends up recovering on that expedition was the dead man's chest. The little metal box that contains not only the heart of Will Turner, but also of Davy Jones. Mary Oceaneer has dead man's chest. She's good. <laughs> right? She's right? good. <laughs> wow. I mean, we see all the films. We see what Jack Sparrow's going through. And, you know, I mean, why didn't they just get Mary Oceaneer on the job? You know, she. Oh, good I mean, question. it is happening. I mean, it is happening 100 <laughs> years later. But whatever. They were ghosts anyway. You saw the Flying Dutchman. Uh-huh. They yep. were all ghosts yes, anyway. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so years later, 
Captain Oceaneer sails on a new ship, right? One mm-hmm. that was seemingly named after her parrot, Salty. You know, the deep sea diving bird. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of info out there, but it's kind of implied that he died at some point uh, because now she even has a new parrot named Duncan and she ends up naming her new ship the MS Salty the fourth. What happened to MS Salty one through three? I don't know. It's a weird like number. Does that mean that she had four salties? And then after she's like, nah, that name's bad luck. We're going with Duncan now. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know where that came from. But regardless, she's got a new ship, the MS Salty the Fourth. So on top of all of those accomplishments, in the years that followed, Mary has this opportunity, right, to study one of the most well-known civilizations that no one has ever technically found the lost nation of Atlantis. And to me, this is like an awesome part of the story, right? Because I love Atlantis. I've talked about this before. I've always loved these like, one, I love secret societies. I love mysteries. I love, you know, these mysterious locations around the world. And Atlantis is just one of those mysteries that there's a lot of unknowns, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But what makes her story so much cooler is the fact that she learned to communicate in Atlantean. Right. Which made me think that there's a possibility maybe we will see a little bit of Mary's legacy in Tomorrowland. I don't know. We've been wishing. <laughs> that would but be cool, though. It would be cool. But mm-hmm. did you, when you were researching, did you happen to ask yourself this? What if she found Atlantis? Yeah. Right? Because, it, it, yeah. We could go as far as, did she know Milo's um, grandfather? I mean, there could be so much canon. Who there, knows? I mean, there is. And look, <laughs> honestly, if anyone's going to do it, it sounds like it's going to be Mary Oceaneer. Right? Mm-hmm. She's got the skills. Right. She knows how to speak Atlantean. I mean, she got shot at by arrows, and she was like, yeah, keep going. Whatever. And she still lives. And she's still there. Okay? (laughs) Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, actually, there's even uh, a diving bell at Typhoon Lagoon that says, I come in peace in Atlantean. Like, it's got other stuff on there, but the fact that there's, like, the Atlantean alphabet on there, like, Mm -hmm. the the glyphs are, are from that... Uh, it's kind of cool, you know, that yeah. that's on there. So, I don't know. I Honestly, if I could put money on it, I'd be like, yeah, she found it. And either she was sworn to secrecy and, ah. you know, they told her, yeah, you know, don't talk about our civilization. You're welcome to come back whenever you want. Uh, we'll grant you any wish that you want. Uh, apparently now Atlanteans are genies. But they're like, we'll give you whatever <laughs> you want. You know, mm-hmm. don't mention us. We don't want to ruin our civilization. But, right. I mean, what if she did find it? I mean, leave your theories. Join the conversation. Tell us in the comment section or join us on Discord and tell us if you think that she actually found Atlantis. I'd be curious to hear how many people actually think that happened. Um, but, I mean, on top of all of the things that she was doing, she still found time to write two books by the end of 1938. 
You know, she wrote Parrots as Pets. I wonder why. And Charting Course, both of which, yeah, you guessed it, are at the Skipper Canteen in the library of other books that we've talked about already. Of course. (laughs) So not knowing the exact year, but uh, from everything that I've seen, it's kind of estimated that it was around uh, like 1955 when this happened. Uh, Marion Duncan traveled to a tropical region called Blustery Bay. I would say that this was like their worst trip, obviously, because things really didn't go as planned. Like if getting shot at by arrows was bad, they got caught in a hurricane during this trip, wreaks havoc in the region, rips her ship in half. Okay, literally rips her ship in half and it goes flying to different parts of the island. Everything that they're carrying, all of their treasure, all of the boat parts, them, they just go flying and they are thrown onto an area called Miss Adventure Falls on the port of Placid Palms, which was near Mount Mayday, which was a, a volcano that was, you know, part of the area. And so, yeah, so now all of the artifacts that they're carrying are scattered among the trees and around the bay. And, I mean, pretty much anybody that sees them can grab them. I'm sure she wouldn't appreciate that as the pirate, non-pirate that she is, but I wouldn't mess with her. Leave them there is all I'm going to say. So ultimately, they grab all their stuff and they do their best to establish like a salvage effort, right? Uh Uh-huh. And so I think now is a really good time to kind of hop back into our real world timeline. But before we do... I think it's also a good time to remind you that this episode of Podcateers has been made possible by the generosity of the FGP Squad, a.k.a. our podcast Fairy Godparents, through their monthly support via Patreon. Because being a part of the FGP Squad family gets you some additional perks, like exclusive discounts on Podcateers gear, additional content, and access to our monthly happy hour calls. If you've been enjoying this or any other episode of our podcast and would like more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com slash FGP. And of course, to all of the members of the FGP Squad, we'd like to send a huge thank you for their continued support. Okay, so how does Mary's story line up uh, on our real world timeline? Well, in 2016, a new play area was created for the Disney Cruise Line fleets, which would end up rolling out to the Disney Magic, the Disney Wonder, the Disney Dream, and the Disney Fantasy, which fully integrated the story of Captain Mary Oceaneer when the Oceaneer Lab area opened. Typhoon Lagoon a water park at Walt Disney World, which originally opened back in like 89, 88 or 89 or something, would Mm -hmm. also be reimagined to include Mary's story. Now, uh, although it's not officially part of her story, that same year there was another notable addition to the lore of the SEA because the Abracadabar at Disney's Boardwalk opened and on display was an SEA Fez. Now, the abracadabra is not just a fun word to say, 
but it's also a cocktail lounge that offers magician entertainment, and it's set in the 1930s. The story of the venue states that the magicians that performed there in the early days of, of the bar uh, were always trying to one-up each other. And at one point, there was this one magician who performed a disappearing act but was never seen again. Right. That was like his final trick. So everyone freaks out because they can't find this guy. And they're like, wait a second. Did one of these other magicians, you know, knock him off? You know, like, (laughs) is this one of those prestige things or is it the illusionist? One of those two, regardless, Mm -hmm. bitter enemies. Maybe one of them made this disappearance happen. The bar closes. Right. And so for 70 years the bar is closed and then finally reopens. And so now legend has it that the fez that's on display belonged to the magician that disappeared, an unknown member of the SEA. Wow. Now, again, that's just a legend. That's just kind of the story that they tell. It's I don't know how official that story is, but I kind of want to believe that that's the case because magic is near and dear to my heart. And uh, (laughs) it's kind of like Walt Disney World's version of the Magic Castle here in Southern California. So I'm all for it, especially if it ties in the SCA somehow. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I know. I'm assuming that drinks are still magically $30, but, you know, (laughs) whatever. It is what it is. Uh, Okay, so... Originally coined Misfortune Falls when it was first announced, the raft ride Misadventure Falls opened at Typhoon Lagoon in 2017, further expanding Mary's story. Now, until now, the majority of references to the SEA were all at Walt Disney World or in parks around the world, you know, Tokyo Disney Sea and, you know, uh, Hong Kong Disneyland, but 2018 brought the Society of Adventures and Explorers to Disneyland proper in a huge way with the opening of the Tropical Hideaway. Do you remember how excited we were when this opened, Mel? Yes. (laughs) From the moment we heard about the news and everything, yeah. This is cool. (laughs) All we did was, okay, so when are we going to go? When, how are we, we gotta go try, okay, we gotta, th- and I mean, it took us a while, I think, when we were yeah. finally able to make it out there, but man, I remember when they first announced it, I was so excited, because I knew, I mean, I knew much less about the SEA at that point than I know now, obviously, after all this research, mm-hmm. but with the, even with the little that I knew about the society, I was so excited. I Yeah, you were. <laughs> I could not. I mean, I'm going to stop because I don't want to say something that's going to sound bad. But I was super excited. Right, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> so <laughs> on top of that, the best part, I think, that came from the opening of the Tropical Hideaway is not just the fact that it cemented the idea of the SEA inside of the parks. Because we had small references, right? Like, you know, we brought a mm-hmm. Barnabas T. Bullion, you know, inside of Rainbow Ridge and stuff like that. So... I mean, the inklings were there, but it wasn't like, here it is for everyone to see, right? Mm -hmm. And the Tropical Hideaway did that for us. So 
what I really enjoyed about seeing um, like all of these paddles, because we kind of mentioned the paddles, you know, uh, earlier, but what I really enjoyed the paddles is that it not only commemorated members that we knew, but it also kind of expands on the story with some people we've haven't seen yet. Yeah. So there's the possibility yeah. of further expanding this story there. Mm-hmm. Right? So who do we know and who do we see on these paddles? To start, we see Barnabas T. Bullion, Colorado River, 1870. That's what it says on the little plaque commemorating that particular member on the paddle that I guess was used on his expedition. I seriously think that he did not go on this expedition. I really think he just paid and said that he did, <laughs> but whatever. Next, we have Jason Chandler, Elaho River, 1882. We see Lord Henry Mystic, Ganges River, 1874. Harrison Hightower III, Yangtze River, 1872. I'm sure I mangled that name. I don't know how to say that river's name, but I wouldn't that's how know I know either. <laughs> think it sounds so i'm gonna roll with it forgive us (laughs) yeah yeah i'm pretty sure that i constantly also mispronounce the river that dr albert falls was known to go down the mbay river so sometimes i say mbay sometimes i say mbay regardless he did it in 1903 and then mary oceaneer the orinoco river in 1899 uh, one surprise is the very deliberate inclusion of M.A. Pleasure or Meriwether Adam Pleasure, Kissimmee River, 1900, further cementing the legacy of Pleasure Island and the Grand Funmeister himself, Meriwether Pleasure. Before we continue our story, I do want to quickly jump in again, and I want to talk to you about Team Boat Willie. Team Boat Willie is the official charity team of the Podcateers podcast, and since we started, uh, we've raised thousands of dollars for different charities inside of the Southern California area, and we are back at it as we are trying to raise money to help the children of Chalk, the Children's Hospital of Orange County. Uh, If you want more information on how you can become part of our team and help us fundraise, or if you just want to make a donation, you can head over to TeamBoatWilly.com. Super easy to remember because it's just like Steamboat Willy, but without the S. And you can find more information about us, our team. There's a vlog from the last Chalk Walk that we did. And since we can't be in the park to do the Chalk Walk the way that we normally do it, this year... Chalk has gone virtual. We're doing the chalk walk. Uh, I was going to say from the comfort of our own chairs at home, but we're actually going to get up and walk. So I, I guess from the comfort of wherever we end up walking to to rack up the, the miles to make the equivalent of it. But yeah, it's going to be super fun. Uh, but the important thing is whether or not you decide to walk, it's raising as much money as we can to help the children of chalk. 
Uh, we have some auctions that are finally ready to go. At the end of March, early April is when you're going to see those auctions go up. They will be handled through Instagram. So make sure that you're following us on our Instagram at Podcateers if you want more information. Team Boat Willie also has an Instagram if you want to follow us there so that you know what charities we're currently raising money for. Uh, but we have the auctions that are coming up. And again, if you just want to make a donation or if you want to join the team and you want to help us raise money, please go to teamboatwilly.com or you can go directly to our Chalk Walk page, which is chalkwalk.org slash teamboatwilly. To the people that have already donated towards our goal, thank you so much. We truly appreciate it. And if you don't have the money to donate, the best way that you can help us out is by sharing our link. So make sure that you go to chalkwalk.org slash teamboatwilly. Share that with your friends, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you can. And uh, we've done a $1 challenge in the past where we challenge people to donate $1 and then try to get somebody else to donate a dollar. And the whole goal is if we can get a thousand people to donate just $1, that's a thousand dollars. And I know I waste a lot on coffee. And that's way more dollars than just one. So anyway, again, that site is teamboatwilly.com. Super simple, just like Steamboat Willie, but without the S. Or you can go to our page, chalkwalk.org slash teamboatwilly. If you have any additional questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Send us a DM on Instagram or on Facebook. You can even join us on our new Discord server. If you go to podcateers.com, you'll find the link to our Discord server there. You can join us, ask us any questions. We'll be happy to help you out. So again, to everyone that's helped us out and everyone that's helping us spread the word, thank you so much. The children of Chalk appreciate it. Uh, okay, back to the story. Among those names is also C. Falco, Zambe River, 1831. This paddle belongs to Camellia Falco. And I mentioned her earlier when we were talking about Jason Chandler and Vitali Rubustelli. Uh, but it wasn't really until 2019 when Tokyo Disney Sea's version of Soren, called Soren Fantastic Flight, was updated to integrate her story. And uh, the entire attraction was kind of turned into this like retrospective view of Camellia Falco's life. Right. And it, it represents mm -hmm. like her story uh, of being this aviation pioneer and how she developed this glider that she ends up calling the Dream Flyer that was inspired by Leonardo da Vinci's flying machines. So it's interesting that, you know, we see uh, that paddle. The attraction gets reimagined, but then there was already these inklings of her in previous stories. And on top of that, Camilla Falco also holds the distinction of being the first woman that was a, a member of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. So, you know, it's it's cool that they're actually including a paddle for her as part of this display. Uh, so here is where that possible expansion begins because another member on those paddles is S. Shio, Amazon River, 1910. 
Now, Sango Shio has not officially been revealed, but there is a reference to him on a signed document made out to Dr. Albert Falls when he discovered the Cambodian shrine. Okay, His paddle has bite marks on it. So, apparently, as he was going down the Amazon River, the piranhas were hungry. You know, so... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it was a cute touch. I kind of like that about his paddle. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of, I don't know if that was uh, the end of that member. I hope it wasn't because then what I said sounds really bad. But I like the fact that his paddle has those little teeth marks on it. Battle scars, he's still alive. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, what? what's cool about this is that because he's actually referenced on a document for Dr. Albert Falls, I'm like in the 90s percentile sure that Dr. Albert Falls is going to be referenced in the new Jungle Book film. A Jungle Book. Oh, yeah. The Jungle, the jungle oh. Cruise film <laughs> with The Rock. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, because of the fact that he's on this document, I wonder if we're going to see Sango Shio in the jungle cruise film itself as well it would make Maybe. sense you know? yeah i mean even if we don't see the character itself because it looks like the the film is a lot it's really in the future as compared to the timeline where when all of this happened or when you know the members of the sca were known to be around but you know the references of the characters or a picture of the character i think would be a cool way to incorporate them because then we'll have that connection right because i think mm-hmm. i i was never able to find a picture of sangoshio like no, i always saw the either. references i always saw the name but a picture was one that just never existed so hopefully we get that in the new film uh another character that we've actually seen but don't know much about is Dr. J. L. Batterista, Congo River, 1906. Now, earlier when I was talking about Mystic Manor, there, uh, you know, there's that big famous portrait that's on display as you're kind of walking through the attraction. And it's the one with all of the members of the SEA and, you know, getting together shortly before Harrison Hightower disappears because of you know, the idol that he refuses to give up. And what we do know about Dr. J.L. Batterista is that he was modeled after Joe Lazincero, you know, one of the Imagineers that was in charge of the Mystic Point ex- expansion. Will we see this character in the Jungle Cruise film? I kind of hope so as well. I think it's a really great character to at least introduce. This one, obviously, there is a photograph or a depiction of the character because he was modeled after an Imagineer the same way that Harrison Hightower and Barnabas T. Bullion were based on Joe Rohde and Tony Baxter respectively. So at least we have a visual. But uh, the next one is I think one of my favorite characters of this unknown so to speak group, right? And that was Mm -hmm. Professor R. Bluar Himmel. Again, I'm pretty sure I mangled that, but that's the Yukayali River, 1904. Uh, as far as the character himself, 
not much is known about him other than the fact that he was friends with Lord Henry Mystic. Otherwise, why would his portrait be hanging in Mystic Manor, right? Mm -hmm. What we do know about him, and this is like real life now, is that his character is actually a tribute to Imagineer Robert Coltrane, known to a lot of other Imagineers as just Robt. Uh, he actually served as an executive creative director at WDI. And if I'm not mistaken, he was actually honored with the Disney Legend Award in August of 2020. Nice. So with everything that was going on, I don't know if that flew under the radar because of what we were going through uh, or because they're saving it. You know, for a big ceremony, which technically would have happened this year at this point. Um, but yeah, I I think I read somewhere that he was honored as a Disney legend in August of last year. And so I, I want to believe, obviously, that the R in the character's name is for Robert. Uh, but what's cool is that his last name, which is Himmel, translates to Blue Sky which is the first phase of any Disney project. So yeah. it's such a really cool way to tie what Imagineering does with the story of the SEA while paying tribute to somebody that's, you know, made such a difference in the attractions that we get to enjoy. Finally, we have Chef Tandaji, uh, Irrawaddy River, 1913. And, I mean, although we don't have a lot of info on his character, we do know that he's mentioned at the Skipper Canteen and is most notably known for documenting recipes that, you know, he found around the world, you know. And we know about his existence because he's referenced at the Skipper Canteen. You know, is this another character that we'll get a chance to see in the Jungle Cruise film? Or at least referenced? Who knows? Exactly. Who knows? But it'll be cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, while researching all of this, I realized that the really wonderful thing about the SEA is that it's this open-ended story that's just always evolving, right? And yeah. although we may not see it today... Or it may take years, you know, for new parts that are officially canon to be introduced into the storyline. You can tell that this secret society that Imagineers have created for us just beautifully merges our world and the world of the SCA. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in a lot of episodes, especially as we've prepared for armchair Imagineering episodes, we've talked a lot about how we don't see a lot of attractions that aren't based on existing IPs, you know, because of how much they own and how much they've spent on acquiring a lot of these intellectual properties. Disney kind of has to put that stuff in the parks either to break even or to make it worth it, right? They have to capitalize on the fact that these things are popular. They're going to continue to grow in popularity, and that's why we're seeing them in the parks. But the SCA breaks that mold. 
Although yeah. we're not directly seeing attractions that are based on new ideas, the SCA characters, I don't know, they live in this world that is so creative. The story just gets richer and richer. Yes, we are getting attractions that are getting retconned. We are getting segments of the park that are being reimagined to fit into the story. And so in a sense, yeah, I get it that we're not coming up with original ideas. But if you can't have an original attraction idea, why not have an original story to go along with that attraction? Right? right. Again, it's not Johnny Depp and Pirates. It's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's that's really the essence of this. And it's become such a popular part of Disney culture, like when you know about it, that it even went on to spawn these like side stories that revolve around characters, even that are like outside of the Disney realm. There were some stories that included Velma from Scooby Doo, <laughs> the Doctor from Doctor Who, you know. And I, look, let's be honest, we're never going to see those characters as part of any type of official SCA storyline, unless Disney right. acquires the rights to all those characters as well, which the way things are going, who knows? They might, you know? <laughs> who knows? But I mean, it's kind of cool to think. That the story mm-hmm. can even go beyond the Disney boundaries, even if it's unofficial. Even Tony Stark was a part of those stories. And the funniest thing about that is that, you know, when Marvel or when Imagineering had to think of a way of integrating Marvel into the Disney universe, like when they started with Stark Expo, you know, overseas and everything one of the ways that they helped themselves was they created this story that are that revolved around Howard Stark knowing Walt Disney and that Howard Stark created Stark Expo as a way of showing off all these cool toys and then Walt went on to create Disneyland and then Tomorrowland as a way to showcase all of his cool toys you know so hey. <laughs> the SEA is truly Imagineering's version of the MCU. And just like Marvel, the next phase of the SCA is just getting started. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And just how we were just talking about the characters that were just introduced. I mean, that's how that's how amazing this story, everything that we've been talking about is. Is like it's not just one solid story and that's it. It's ongoing. At this point, we could say, can we say it's evergreen? Because it's just, it's always new. Like it's just, there's something and it's always going to be like that. Yeah. That's no, the, I that's mean, the I, coolest part. I would have to agree with you. I, you know, as Disney continues to open new areas of the parks, mm-hmm. the possibilities are limitless, right? Either. Yeah. With new areas, uh, you know, what's the what's the new ship that was supposed to set sail this year and then they decided to do it next year because of what happened? Um, I, I can't recall. Oh, um, the Disney Wish. Oh, okay. We talked about how, you know, the magic, the wonder, the dream, and the fantasy already have, 
you know, the areas of Oceaneer Labs uh, inside uh, of the cruise line, you know, mm-hmm. the wish, I mean, I haven't read anything about it. It's supposed to, it was already supposed to set sail, but it was delayed because of what was happening. So I think it set sail like January of 2022 or something like that. But, you know, who knows what we're going to see on the wish? You know, who knows if on top of maybe in that one, we don't see Oceaneer Lab. Maybe we see the introduction of a completely different character or we see additional story get created for other characters that we haven't seen before. Because if I if I remember correctly, um, actually, I don't remember where that one is supposed to set sail to, but I think it might be the same course as one of the other ones. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a perfect opportunity to continue expanding on this. Right. And Mm -hmm. as far as definitely. Tomorrowland is concerned I don't know I mean we've had a lot of conversations about what Tomorrowland was what Tomorrowland should be and what Tomorrowland is right and we've always had these expectations that they're going to bring Tron that they're going to do a lot of things that we see them doing at other Disney parks but realistically speaking without without actually clearing a huge footprint of what Disneyland currently holds, it's not going to be possible to bring some of those attractions to Southern California. So what if they started bringing in these aspects of the SEA and they kind of make it like the tomorrow of yesterday as seen through the eyes of the SEA? Like, what if it becomes a version of Fortress Explorations where it was Tomorrowland in their eyes? You know, I know it's a stretch. I know it's a stretch, (laughs) but I mean, the possibility is there and you do have the opportunity you know, to start incorporating these other members that may or may not be a part of it. Do I actually think Howard Stark is a part of the SEA? No. You know, the characters kind of live in their own world, and I don't think they're going to mix Marvel characters because Marvel characters already have kind of their own timeline that they follow. They live in their own world regardless of the multiverse. But... You know, this world lives in its own world, you know, and I don't think they're going to cross pollinate like that. But who knows? Maybe one day we will see Howard Stark as a part of it. But maybe there's a character that they name Howard Starch, you know, that's based on Howard Stark or something. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just tossing the ideas out there. Imagineering just, you know, take whatever you want. Send me a check later. Just saying. (laughs) Oh, man. You know what? So I was, as I was like researching and whatnot, just learning about these different things, I actually learned, oh man, I kicked myself. I was actually close to one of the um, inklings, you would say, of the SEA. I didn't know that there was a letter and a painting from the Adventurers Club over at Alani and it's actually oh, at Auntie's yeah. Beach House and I'm like I like got into the lobby he was like man I was so close so close that but, is um, so cool just thinking about that 
and how bad I want to go back to Florida to see everything else. Ah. And yeah. that's the thing, right? That <laughs> there's only so much that Imagineers can do yeah. with the area that we have here at Disneyland. We've run into that before. We saw what they had to do in order to clear out space for Galaxy's Edge. We've mm-hmm. seen what the expansion of California Adventure, you know, did to that park. But, you know, there's not a lot of space left unless they start clearing out other existing properties there. And Right. But the thing is that I think that with any expansion, there's going to be a lot of attractions that are already made for other parks that are going to end up here. Right. It's just going to be a version of it, whether it's a simulator, just dressed a little different, you know, free fall or whatever the case is, some kind of dark ride. It's always going to be a variant of something that already exists because it's easier. It's faster to adapt existing technology to, you know, just another park. It's exactly what they did Mm -hmm. with Tower of Terror and the Hotel Hightower when they open up Tower of Terror, you know, overseas. So. I honestly, at this point, if they were able to give us attractions or redress attractions in a way that we could get this story here, you know, I mean, look, I this is going to be a really uh, unpopular opinion, especially for most people that like Ariel. But look, let's get rid of Ariel's undersea adventure and create a whole new version of some kind of trackless attraction. (laughs) that revolves around the SEA and then take Ariel and put her in Fantasyland where she belongs. She doesn't belong on Pixar Pier. So I I know that I'm removing an attraction, but it's because it makes sense. It doesn't belong there. It belongs at Disneyland. It belongs in Fantasyland. (laughs) But I mean, again, I digress. I'm getting a little heated about that because you know how I feel about that. But again, the SEA, ah, man, there's so much that they can offer. I love that the story is just continuously expanding. And I'm just looking forward to everything that we're going to get in the future. If this TV show that was announced actually becomes a series on Disney Plus, ah, oh man, I, I'm done. I, that's it. I, they yeah. win. Take my money. <laughs> I mean, I'm already giving them a monthly subscription fee. But, I mean, seriously, just take my money, right? I'm there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so in with this. And so. Totally. I mean, I, I don't think there's much more to say about this. I, I mean, that's it. That's your introduction to the world of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. I know that <laughs> uh, this was long, you know, as a multi-part episode. Uh, I don't think we've ever done this before, right? Like, not no, at least but- to this extent. Mm-mm, we haven't but, and it's because there's just so much information and how it was presented i mean it, it's just we we mentioned it, like how difficult it was to find like some information or we we wanted to know a little bit more about someone we couldn't do this in one hour no not to properly tell it i think you can give a really basic idea of what it is uh, in an yeah. hour. Uh, but I don't know. I had a lot of fun doing this. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to finally dive into the SCA. 
I started talking about doing an episode like this about a year and a half ago. And (laughs) (laughs) like almost every month I'd be like, guys, we got to do the SCA episode. Guys, we got to do the SCA episode. (laughs) But every time we would jump into it, there was just more and more and more. Yeah. And honestly, I... I think the fact that the announcement for the TV show came was kind of the kick in the pants that we needed to really get this episode off the ground because, you know, everyone was talking about it. Everyone was really excited about it. And so, again, Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to do it. Um, Now I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I've spent so much time just researching the SEA that it'll be nice to finally get some sleep again. (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) by the way did you know that there is a location about a few hours from us that we could go and take a tour and get like a feel of what possibly one of the birthplaces that inspired all of this and that's Hearst Castle you know I've always wanted to go to Hearst Castle it's on my list of things to do Mm -hmm. Uh, the Carson Mansion uh, one of the things that inspired uh, Mystic Manor, you know, it's also Major in California, which we could also go to. When things open up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm totally willing to go again, especially Hearst Castle. It's definitely on my list of places that I want to visit. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, before I go to Hearst Castle, once I feel safe, I'm going to go to Disneyland first. But, you know, why mm-hmm. drive so far when I can just go see the Haunted Mansion? The mansionest of all mansions, you know, here, yeah. <laughs> you know, and go visit Hattie, who I haven't seen in so long, but I will soon. Sad I miss tear. you, buddy. <laughs> Love you, boo. I miss you. <laughs> all right. I th- <laughs> I'm tired. We got to end this. So, um, okay. yeah. So we haven't done an episode like this, but if you enjoyed it, please let us know. Join the conversation over in the comments section of Instagram, Facebook, or send us a message on Twitter. You can join us over on our Discord server. We just got it started not too long ago. It's a small community that's very slowly growing. Uh, We'd love to discuss this, and hopefully we do get a chance to see the new Disney Plus series based on the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. I know that I would absolutely lose it, and I would squeal (laughs) like a baby. I'm all for it. So, um, by the way, a version of all five of these episodes will be up on Patreon for the FGP squad without all of the cuts in between episodes. Uh, I know that we took breaks in between because this went on super long. And so a a full version of this episode is going to be up on Patreon. So if you're a member of the FGP squad and if you want to hear the story all the way through without all of the plugs and cuts and everything from week to week, make sure to check that out on Patreon. So Mel, any closing thoughts before we wrap up this series on the Society of Explorers and Adventurers? No, I think I'm just like, I want to go back to Florida. (laughs) One day. (laughs) I just want to go to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) One day. (laughs) One one day. One day. I know I'll make it. And then people will finally be able to tell me you're not traveling the world if you're watching them on YouTube. Hey, Zen. (laughs) 
all right i'm tired we gotta end this so that's it that's gonna wrap it up for this episode as the sca model says exploratorio continua until next time keep dreaming keep moving forward and always remember to pass on the magic have a fantastic week everyone bye